Good evening, Lake Church. All right, how's everybody doing today? Awesome. It's kind of a switch in the weather. Had a nice day yesterday and a cold day today. Well, what's up with that? <laughs> uh, we have some uh, announcements. We're going to, uh, they have the 15th anniversary t-shirts for sale. And that is, the uh, anniversary is going to be April 10th. So those are for sale now. So if you guys haven't got your shirt yet, I will go out there and get you a shirt. We also have the uh, LC Missions. Anyone who's interested on going on a missions trip, there is a application we'd like you to fill out at the guest services. Doesn't take that long to fill out. It's pretty pretty easy. They just want to know who you are. All right. So we also have the uh, the first Sunday of the month. We are going to start having food trucks here every Sunday. So when you show up, be ready to support that. Be ready to eat. Okay. So uh, let's uh, welcome our online audience. Thank you. We appreciate you. We appreciate everyone who tunes in to see us. And uh, we welcome everyone here that's here today. All right, what else do we have? I think that's it on the uh, announcement part. We'll go into the offering part. Amen. So, uh, today I was uh, asking the Lord about this, kind of meditating on it, and He kind of he dropped in, in, into my spirit about uh, some offering, and it was about my thinking, and how He took me through a process of thinking. So... I thank God that Jesus died on the cross for me. I thank God that he was buried for me. And the power of God rose him from the dead. That was awesome. And that his blood covered a multitude of sins. Amen. That's what happened in our lives. But you know what you ask, why does it, what does that have to do? I'm going to tell you what that has to do with this. He redeemed me from the curse of the law. He redeemed me from poverty. Poverty, for me, was not a state of being. It was a state of mind. It was my thinking that had messed me up. So, whenever I started to faithfully, this was what, I, what God dealt with me about, was just tithing. Just tithe regular. Just, just, just put your tithe in. And I started doing that, and we've seen the fruits of that. It didn't happen at first, but it started happening as instead of going from paycheck to paycheck, there was lack. We actually had all of our bills paid, and that was a blessing. And then it didn't only go from there. It went from paycheck to paycheck to where we actually started having money left over. All right? That was a blessing. And not only that, we started going from paycheck to paycheck to having an offering to give. You see, my mentality, my poverty mentality started to change into a kingdom mentality that I realized that I have everything to draw off of the Father that already provided it for me and gave it to me. That changed my mentality. I no longer have that poverty mentality but my mentality switches over to a kingdom mentality. And that's who I draw from. So, 
If you would uh, join with me, we'll pray, and we'll give God honor for the excess and for what we can give to Him. All right, thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the offering that we're able to give. Thank you for the tithes that we're able to give. Thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us. We know that you, our, our, our money comes from you, and we just want to honor you with that, and we trust you with that. In your name, Jesus, amen. Amen. Good evening, Lake Church. Hallelujah. Let's turn to Psalm 91. Psalm 91, and we're going to be continuing on the secret place. Amen? Hallelujah. Psalm 91. What we're endeavoring to do here is to assist you in uh, locating and uh, operating in the secret place. It takes a spiritual awareness to understand where that is and what that looks like that you cannot attain by this world or the things of this world. So you, you can't go by your circumstances and your surroundings as to whether or not you're in the secret place. You can have absolute and utter chaos around you and be in the secret place. Um, you can't determine spiritual things by what is going on physically. Do you understand that? And so we've got to, we've got to know what the Word says. We've got to begin to identify uh, what the Word is saying when it comes uh, to the secret place and understanding uh, what God desires, uh, where He desires us to flow from. Um, there's some scriptures that we're going to delve into tonight that I believe will be very helpful to you in that. So let's look at the first couple of verses here. We've kind of camped around here the last couple of weeks. But it says, He who dwells or sits, as uh, the original language says, in the shelter of the Most High will abide. That has to do with your attitude towards your sitting. Because there's a lot of people that will sit. I know that you've got kids. You can tell them to sit, but they're not sitting. And they'll might sit physically, but they're standing up on the inside. Amen? And uh, sometimes God will instruct us to sit. And uh, we'll be standing on the inside in utter rebellion against what he's trying to do in our life. Amen? And it's important that we understand that abiding has a lot to do with our attitude towards what God's asking us to do. Um, no one likes to sit. They like to sit when they're tired, you know, but they don't like to be told to sit. Uh, you know, and, and we're going to see the secret place because the Bible clearly describes what the secret place is in another psalm that's very, very well known that we'll talk about tonight, but uh, nobody likes to be told to sit, stay, stop. No one does. And that's the reason why some of the things that the Lord is asking us to do is so difficult for us, is because our flesh just really recoils when we're told to do something. Uh, we like it when it's our idea, you know. If it's my idea, then I'm fine with it, you know. Okay, Lord. 
but the Lord doesn't do like sneaky managers and leaders do to make you think it's your idea. He actually requires obedience. He actually requires you to say yes when you want to say no. Amen? And that's one of the toughest things. I, I told, uh, I was at Church That Matters this past weekend, and we were talking about submission and obedience, and, and I told him, I said, I'd rather do an old Chris Rock routine. Hopefully I won't get slapped, but uh, <laughs> you'd rather do an old Chris Rock routine than talk about obedience and submission in the church because it's just as much a cuss word uh, in the church than a lot of things out in the world. Amen? Uh, because we resist obedience. And uh, when it comes to being in the secret place, the secret place, and this is, this is going to be hard for you, it's a place of obedience. It's an actual place of obedience. And that's what people, people think, well, that's where, you know, joy unspeakable and full of glory is. Yeah, but there's also submission to the secret place. There's also obedience to the secret place. It isn't always pleasures forevermore. You know what I'm saying? Come on now. It's where we're, we're submitted to God. And God can speak to us. Amen? So he says, He who sits in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, You're my refuge and you're my fortress and my God in whom I trust. And so we began to show you that the whole book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes is about <clears throat> different refuges, different places that man seeks protection because we're all wide open in this sinful world. We realize without the protection of the Lord, we could die even coming to church today. I mean, you know, you could die just, you know, by st stuff that you're breathing. The stuff that you ate personally come on today, the stuff that you ate, it has enough toxins in it to kill you. Come on. It's by the grace of God, the protection of God. It's because he's our refuge. Amen? And you've got angels on assignment, help from the sanctuary that are protecting you right now this day. And that is a wonderful thing about it. But man, in his pride, always wants to seek other refuges, seek other strong towers that he perceives or she perceives are strong towers. And so the, the, the book of Ecclesiastes teaches on those. And they're mainly, I can't remember all of them because it's been a while since I taught on the book of Ecclesiastes, but mainly it is um, the refuges that are the substitutes for the refuge that is the Lord is education and worldly wisdom and pleasure. There's a lot of people that seek solace and protection and pleasure. They'll come from a bad situation, work situations, and they'll immerse themselves in some form of escapism. And so he begins to show that it's excessive pleasure, uh, education, gaining godly wisdom, uh, workaholism. It actually talks about workaholism, things of that nature that we use to try to protect ourselves from the storms of life that come through this fallen world. But when we make the Lord our refuge, then we're truly protected. 
Because guess what? Earthly wisdom will fail you. You can get numb to the pleasures of this life. It can actually become a torment to you as you continue to do it. Ask any drug addict. They'll tell you. It started off, I was riding that dragon, baby, but now the dragon's eating me alive. Amen? And so it's, it's you, you know, everything we seek, the fig leaves we try to cover ourselves with, turn out to be poison oak. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and so God is really our only true refuge. But notice, and we've said this before, and we're going to talk a little bit about it next week, but... You, you know, he says, I will say, because of these truths, I will say, notice that, I will say, I will say. What are you saying? What are you saying about the Lord? I mean, it's important that we take what the Word says, put it in our hearts, and speak it out of our mouths. Amen? I will say of the Lord, refuge. See, he's not saying my refuge. He's saying refuge. Amen? And my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So we shared with you that he uses different names here. He uses El Elyon, he uses Shaddai, and he uses Yahweh. And we shared with you about the seven covenant names of God. The Jehovah names. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Tiskendu. These names are all threaded throughout the Old Testament. All threaded throughout the Old Testament. And they find their culmination in one name in the New Testament. Like to no, I don't want to call Joey friend. I'm sorry, Joe. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea what in the world happened here. That's Steve Jobs listening from the grave. I have absolutely no idea how that happened. I was on a roll, too. So the, the seven covenant names are threaded all throughout the Old Testament. They culminate in Jesus. But Jesus came to reveal an aspect that the seven covenant names didn't reveal. The name Father. And that's what takes the secret place to a whole nother level. Father. Amen? I mean, there's not a more stronger word to use for God than Father. Amen? And I've, I've dealt with a lot of young men, a lot of young ladies that didn't have a father or their father was abusive or their father molested them. And father is a hard word for them to take in. And then when you come into the kingdom of God, God does not apologize for wanting to be known as Father. He doesn't care if you get triggered by it or not. 
It is who he is. And so Jesus came to give us the express image of the Father, to be the model that we look at and we say, that is the Father. And so anything we see Jesus do and Jesus say is the Father. Remember he said that in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the mother. Is that what he said? I tell you what, in our culture, it's mama and God. That's all there is to it. It's mama and God. We saw a man slap another man because of a mama. Jezebel's spirit. She's sleeping with four other men. And she got one of her eunuchs to go up there and slap another man. And the guy was laughing at the joke. I just don't think it's... Uh, you're seeing full display. If you're not getting the picture, if you're not seeing it, you are blind as a bat. You are seeing it on full display. They're not even apologizing for it anymore. We're just going to live the way we've been living. We're just going to let it out. And, you know, you love us anyway. You're going to go buy our movies and do what... <clears throat> we got you. So why don't we just go ahead and do what we do in secret. We don't have to be in secret anymore. It's ridiculous, guys, and it's, it's wrong. But Jesus come to reveal the Father. And the Father is a threatening name. Even to religious people. The Pharisees were very upset because Jesus called God his father. That bothered them more than anything that he said. They wanted him dead because they understood Jehovah. They understood Yahweh. They understood El Shaddai and El Elyon and all the other covenant names of God, but they didn't understand Father. And the secret place will be compromised in your life if you don't get a hold of the revelation of God as your Father. Amen? I'm telling you, that's just what it's about. It's about fatherhood. This world is controlled by the devil. Hello. And this world teaches matriarchal. Oh, goodness, I don't know if you want It pushes matriarchal, you know, dominance. Men are looked at as, especially fathers, as innate, stupid, 
Hello? Mama always is the hero in the movie. Dad is the dummy that's always two, three steps behind. Doesn't have any idea. He's just either drinking his beer, smoking his cigars, reading his paper, and watching his ESPN. And that's really what they associate manhood to be. And there is a definite problem with that. And if you don't think that that doesn't translate to the secret place experience to you, you're mistaken. I'll tell you why. We just need to pray in tongues right now. Let's pray. We need to come against that Jezebel spirit right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I tell you, we got to get a hold of this in the church. We've got to get a hold of it. The Spirit of the Lord is here powerfully right now. And he's got his sword out. He's got his sword out. That's what I see right now. He's got his sword out. And he's chopping away at some of the roots that are driving your relationship with him and are causing you to grow away. That's what I sense. Bending your limbs away from true identity in him. And if you cannot, the foundational teaching of Jesus is God is your father. Now, he's not everybody's father. He's not every human being's father on planet earth. Jesus talked to the Pharisees and said, you're of your father, the devil. So there's another father. So God as father is one of the main deals as 30, almost 30 years of ministry is one of the main hiccups that believers have in their walk with God and the intimacy level of their prayer life. They have trouble and are rattled by that because the enemy throughout their lifetime has given models of fatherhood that do not match the biblical narrative of God the Father. And then we have theologians that emphasize aspects of the Old Testament and it causes them to get a very misconstrued idea of what God is like because I don't see certain aspects in the Old Testament because the Bible's progressive revelation means that as I start in the, in the front, I don't get the full picture. Jesus is the full picture. If you'll just allow Christ to be your picture of the Father, 
you won't have any trouble. Come on now. I'm, I'm speaking to somebody right here. I mean, you won't have trouble with it. Because, you know, we've all had earthly fathers. Many of us have had earthly fathers. Some of them were wonderful and great. I love my dad, but my dad's not God. You know, my, my dad is a, a person just like I am. And he's flawed and he makes mistakes and stuff. But I, I would hang the moon for him if I could. But there are times in which, you know, I've had, you know, divorce. I've, I've seen what that happens and as an eight-year-old and seen what happens and, and, and being without a dad for a period of time. And I'm telling you, my friends, it affected my relationship with God. Because I didn't have no problem with Jehovah Rapha. I didn't have no problem with Jehovah Nisi. I didn't have no problem with El Shaddai. I didn't have no problem with what he does. I had problems with who he was. And that's one of the hardest things is, you know, it, it requires a level of submission, Joe, to call him Father. Hello. It requires a humility. And a lot of times we don't even, you know, we, we don't have a you know, we ha we don't have a problem with Lord because we don't understand it. <laughs> we just don't understand it. Lord, what's that? You know. You know. Lord is master. Owner. We don't really think that. But boy, you take that into Father. Oh my goodness. It takes it into a very impersonal Lord, which really isn't impersonal. It's just impersonal down here. But the Lord is supposed to take care of you and help you and protect you. But that's not what we get in this world. We don't, Lords are elitists that look for themselves and use us up. And so the enemy wants to bring that into our relationship with God, that, that God as Lord, he's just using you. He's just using you up. But now we're going from what was impersonal in our culture, Lord, and we're having to go to Father? Yikes. Because now I'm emotional. Now, am I... Am I Am I doing all right now? Now I've got to connect my emotions to this. I've got to feel something about it because, Lord, I don't really have a personal attachment to. There's not a lot of emotion that goes with Lord. But when Father comes in and I'm just like, oh, my, 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 I don't know what I think about this. And it hinders my relationship intimacy level. Doesn't mean I don't get stuff done. Doesn't mean I don't love and read my Bible and sing songs and, you know, and tell the Lord I love him. It just means there's just some kind of just some kind of mental roadblock that keeps me from really pushing in 
and really feeling the effect of a loving father that has my best interests at every level and every minute. It's hard for me to trust that because I've had people in my life that I thought loved me and they did not have my best interests. Come on, can, can I get a witness in this house? They didn't necessarily have my best interest. They gossiped and they, you know, betrayed trust and left me at times and did stuff like that. And it's very hard in this world to even know where to look at to get some kind of connection point as to trust and love and someone caring about you and having no motive behind it. But that's the father that Jesus showed. Not one time did he lay hands on an infirm person and say, now go to synagogue now the rest of your days. Never said that. He didn't lay hand on the leper and say, okay, when you get a job, I want 10%. Never said that. Never had any kind of, you know, hook in anything he did. He walked away with no strings attached. And that's just not the way this world is. But that's the way the Father is. And it must have perplexed the religious people because they were all the time using their services to advance them financially, either in power or in resources. And so to, to have a rabbi or rabboni as, you know, which is the highest level, which is what Nicodemus called him, I mean, that's for a Pharisee to call you Rabboni and you are a rebel against the order, that's a pretty high title. But for him not to ask for anything, I mean, untold riches could have came to him just through the novelty of healing the sick, which was nothing for God. And it still is nothing for God. You are never going to deplete the power of heaven. You're just not going to do it. The, the lights are not going to flicker because of cancer. Jesus was raised from the dead. That's the highest exhibition of God's power is Jesus being raised from the dead. And the reason why it took a lot of God's power is because he raised you with him. But see, we get into this mode where we have no reference. And that's the reason why, guys, we've got to stay in the book. And we have to continue to get into the Gospels. Because I'm here to tell you, of all the words in that book, from the Torah to the book of Revelation, when I see red letter... That's the Supreme Court. I may struggle in somewhere in Exodus. I might struggle somewhere in the Psalms. I might struggle somewhere in Colossians. But if I go back to the red letter, which is the Supreme Court, that case will be resolved because I'll know what God said 
It's all inspired, friends. I'm not saying that some of it's inspired. What I'm saying is, is that when it comes to the Word of God, I've got to go back to Jesus. When I read the book of Job, oh, you guys, everybody wants to get religious about Job. When I read the book of Job, I've got to put it with the red letter. I've got to put it with the gospel message. I've got to bring in my specialist, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and see if what I'm getting in Job matches what God says he is. Amen? Because most people, they know about Job's boils, but they don't know about Christ's sacrifice. They know about Paul's thorn, but they don't know anything about Jesus' stripes. Jesus changed everything. I said Jesus changed everything. Jesus changed everything. I can't even read Job without the rest of the Bible. But people will take a book and they'll try to explain the character and nature of God through one book. There's 66 of them in there. Amen? So when it comes to displaying the Father, Jesus' whole ministry was based on that. And we see Jesus fulfilling the seven covenant names in his earthly ministry. We see him totally validating them, giving substance to them, qualifying them, defining them, exhibiting them. He shows them all. Amen? Now, most people will ask this question, you know, especially when you start talking about spiritual things, things that are not physical. What does the secret place look like? Well, the Bible gives you what the secret place looks like, and it's in a very familiar psalm that we all know, and it's Psalm 23. Psalm 23 shows you what the secret place looks like. Now, let's go over there. Psalm 23. Now, before I get into this psalm, I want to, you know, share with you that Psalm 23 is a prophetic psalm of David. It's a messianic psalm. And it's sandwiched in between, of course, Psalm 22 and Psalm 24. Okay? So, Psalm 22 is also a messianic psalm. It is the psalm that Jesus referred to on the cross. In fact, the first verse says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Who uttered those words? Where did he utter them at? So the 22nd psalm is about the crucifixion. It's about Jesus taking our place. That's where he says, the great bulls of Bashan have compassed me. And we know the bulls of Bashan aren't livestock that were out one day just grazing where the cross was. He's talking about spiritual entities 
He's talking about, uh, you know, the, the fallen angels, bulls of Bashan, because they, they have the look of a bull. If you study in the scripture, they'll have the book of a, uh, look of a bull. And so he said they gathered around and mocked him. So he's actually seen into the realm of the spirit there. Not only the mocking of the physical passerbys and people that would glare at him and, and taunt him, just that like they did and is recorded in the Gospels, but also the spiritual entities as he was shifting from the physical to the spiritual, he was able to see that going on as well. So, you know, don't, Jesus paid it all, man. He paid it all. And so, in, in, so we see in 22, we see the death and the sacrificial giving of his life. In 24, it says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And this is a declaration of Jesus coming down as King of kings and Lord of lords. So we're, we see that one has to do with 2,000 years back when Jesus paid the price, and the 24th has to do with the future. Psalm 23 is often used when people pass away from this life. They basically use Psalm 23 as a means of describing heaven. Well, it's not a full truth because that's really not what heaven's going to look like because there are no enemies in heaven. Okay? Psalm 23 is the priestly ministry as the Lord, as your shepherd, as you are walking through the hills and valleys of this life right now. So Psalm 23 gives us insight on how we're supposed to live from the secret place because he's describing the secret place. The secret place is where we abide in the flock of the Lord. Jesus is the door to the sheepfold. Remember he said that in John chapter 10? He says, I'm the door to the sheepfold. He says, if any come through me, he said, they will both go in and out and find pasture. Did you get that? In and out and find pasture. Well, what is he saying? He's saying that there is a place that can't be seen with the physical eye that you can actually get into and you can flow from and go in and out. Oh, come on now. Isn't that, you can go in and out from that place. And that place is the secret place. Amen? You can operate in a level of power and anointing like never before if you'll understand that intimacy and power go hand in hand. The more intimate I am with God and the more I realize that he's my father, the trepidation of my life dissolves, boldness increases, and I'm able to step on a higher plane of existence. Because when I understand that I am a son of God now, that I'm not trying to become a son of God, but that I'm a son of God now, then I can step on my high places 
I can use the authority that my elder brother gave me and I can walk in his ways and do his works. But the problem is, is we're so unpersuaded of the Father's love and the Father's care that we're afraid that we're going to get up to bat and Dad's going to get in the car and go get a miller. Oh, come on now. Hello? We're at the biggest point of our life where we're coming against a fastball from, a, from the devil himself and God's not there. And it's because we have no awareness of his presence in our lives and we're not fully convinced that he is trustworthy in what he says to us. And the only way you're going to get that trust is you're going to have to develop a relationship with him. You're going to have to spend time with him. Hello. But Psalm 23 gives us the template. It gives us the, 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 you know, the words that build the word pictures in our mind of what the secret place looks like. Okay? Because this is a secret place that is not necessarily, you know, uh, uh, irrespective of the world that I live in. It is not the world that I live in, but it's not apart from it. It's something that's with me all the time. It's not someplace I have to go get a bus ticket and go to. It's not a place that I have to fly to. I don't have to go to the moon to get there. I can get there right here, right now. In fact, I'm in it right now. How about you? It's not irrespective of where I'm at. It's where I'm at. Positionally in Christ, because here's the secret, guys. The secret place is Jesus. In him I live and move and have my being. In him I have redemption. In him I have been If I am in Christ, I'm Abraham's seed, and I'm an heir. See, in him is the secret place. Amen? So let's see what that looks like. Now, I did a teaching years ago called Sheep Life. How many remember that? Anybody remember that? All right, man. A couple people. That's wonderful. That was years ago. It was good teaching. So in verse number one, it says, the Lord. Now notice this. Notice the language. The language is a lot like Psalm 91. Remember? He said, I will say of the Lord, refuge, fortress, my God, in you I trust. And now the psalmist, David, is saying, the Lord is See, it's, it doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what theologians say. It doesn't matter what the doctor says. It doesn't matter what your consultant says or what the businessman says or what the politician says. It matters what you say about the Lord. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. 
Oh, my goodness. Now you're getting very specific. You're identifying a set of skills. You're also defining a set of rules and guidelines when you call God certain things. If I would say, Joel is my electrician, that comes with a whole set of parameters, does it not? It comes with a whole different skill set, a whole different set of abilities. I interact with him in regards to that a certain way. It means I have to change. The Lord is refuge. It's a, it's a mindset. To see him as your refuge when you've trusted in the dollar bill, when you trusted in having a man in your bed, when you trusted in having a, a, a woman every week, when you, is this too rough for you? When you trusted in that business, when you trusted in that workplace, when you, you know, put your life, giving your life to something and they give you a watch at the end of it. You, you respond differently, don't you? Because you got to change what, the, what you think a refuge is. Because if the Lord is my refuge, what does that mean? Are we just going to say words or are we going to know what they mean? What does that mean? That means that when the storms of life come, I got somewhere to go. That means when the hailstones come down, I've got a place to run. That means when a tornado comes, I've got a hidey hole. That means that when... That I am not a person, regardless of whether I have it physically or don't have it physically, I've got refuge. I've got a place to go. I've got, I've got a God that will take care of me, a God that will overshadow me. Amen? So you've got to change your whole concept of God. That's the reason why you just can't define him. The only name, the only name that can define everything is Yeshua. That's the only name. And that means Yeshua or Jehovah is my, Yahweh is my Savior. Yahweh is my salvation. And salvation is an inclusive word. It's an all-inclusive word. It, it doesn't mean ticket to heaven. It doesn't mean Yahweh's my ticket to heaven. It means Yahweh's my Savior. Yahweh's my healer. Yahweh's my protector. Yahweh's my one that makes me whole. Yahweh's my deliverer. Oh, come on, somebody. Means that anything I need, he has it. Oh, I love the way somebody said this in Exodus 3, you know, where God meets with Moses on, you know, on that mountain, you know, and he, he tells him, and Moses says, who, who will I say sent me? You know, it'd be nice to know who sent you, you know. You know, you're going to go to a group of people that have been slaves for 400 years. You'd like to know who is sending you, especially when you're going to a world in which is ruled by other gods. And um, 
and the people, even the people of God are worshiping those gods. It'd be good to have a name. And uh, he, and he says, Yahweh, Ashar, Yahweh. That's what he says. Yahweh, Asher, Yahweh. And it's translated in the King James and in other versions as, I am that I am. And there's different ways you can say that for particular situations, you know, as you're going through life. Because I love the way this one minister said it long ago when I was in Bible school. He says, if you need healing in your body, I am that. I am Oh, come on now. I am that. I am. I need deliverance. I am that. I am. Did you, did you know that he didn't say I was or I will be? He said I am. That means he's the God of the now. So when's it time to get healed? Now. When's it time to get saved? Yeah. When's it time to get delivered? Yeah. When is it time to be blessed? Yeah. When's it time to be uh, overcome? Yeah. Now! Yes. He's in the now. He's always in the now. He talked to me last night. He actually got on to me. And he told me, he said, am I the God of the now or am I not? I said, you're the God of the now. He said, then why are you putting everything off on future? Well, I had to kind of adjust my underwear. Because if he's the God of the now, then why am I waiting for a doctor's report to tell me I'm well? Why am I waiting for that bill to be paid before I say I'm free? Why, why am I waiting? If it's now, oh, come on now. If it's now, then it's now. That's the reason why praise is a voice of faith, because you're praising God right now about things that may not necessarily be changed now, but because you believe you receive and God is a God of the now, then I shout before I see it. I dance before it's done. Amen. Hallelujah. So shepherd, my goodness, man, what does that mean? Because most people don't even think about this stuff. They don't even think about these titles. I know David understood it because that's what he was. He was a shepherd before he became a king. So he knows exactly what that means. The whole life of a sheep is tied up in the shepherd. A sheep will end up lost, trapped, eaten, dead, if he doesn't stay with the shepherd. 
There's absolutely, he's talking about a place of submission. Doesn't that sound like he that sits? He that abides? Amen? Well, here we're introduced right now to one of the seven covenant names of God, Jehovah Rohi, because that's where that word is, Jehovah Rohi. So the first one in the Psalm 23 and the understanding of the secret place is that you've got to understand. And this is not popular language. You're a sheep. You're a sheep. When I did Sheep Life, I did this back in the back early Facebook days. They would have these little things in which you would say, what animal are you? How many remember that? What animal are you? And like a stupid idiot, I'm, <laughs> and I'm clicking on it, trying to get the best animal. You know. Hello. I didn't like groundhog, so I wanted something else. Porcupine or, you know, you wanted shark or lion or tiger or something powerful. I would take a gorilla, bear or something like that. But every time you punch that button in the kingdom of God, it will go to one animal and one animal only, a sheep. Oh, politics will use that, you know, the, the elitists will use that word sheep. And it's really a perversion. It's really meant to take away the power of the imagery that the Bible speaks so fondly and lovingly about because the greatest prize for the shepherd, let this sink in, the absolute greatest prize for the shepherd is his sheep. Amen. <laughs> you know, I always heard this, sheep are dumb. Sheep are the stupidest animals on planet Earth. Listen, they're the most defenseless animals on planet Earth, too. They don't have good teeth. They only got like five, seven of them. And they don't have incisors. You'll never see, like, you know, a sheep jumping and biting the jugular of something. It's not going to happen. They're not going to do that. It's not like Monty Python and the Holy Grail where that rabbit comes in there, you know. It's not that at all. In fact, they don't even have teeth as good as a rabbit has teeth. They're very dependent. They can't even take care of themselves. Animals can shed. Did you know that? Animals can shed. shed. They can't shed. So they'll... Just, they need help getting off what they're producing. Come 
Hello. And they're not, you know, they're, they, they, they're not good alone. How many saw that clip of that trench? Did anybody see this? It was a long trench that was cut, and they pulled the, lamb, the, the little lamb out of that trench, and it gets out, and it just goes right back in the trench. Now, the problem with that is we don't want to think of ourselves that way. Our pride will not allow us to think that we have needs. And in fact, our culture is anti-needy. We've got the most needy culture in the world, but we certainly don't want to think of ourselves as needy. Hello? But the thing about being a, a, a... a sheep, and I could give you scripture after scripture in the book of Ezekiel. God speaks through the prophet Ezekiel. He says, you are my sheep, my human sheep. So he's, he's, he's not just talking figuratively. He said, you're my sheep. You're my human sheep. And over and over and over again, sheep and shepherd are one of the primary metaphors God uses in his relationship with us. But the devil comes in through popular culture and he begins to pollute that beautiful picture and make it seem like that you have no mind of your own, that you can't make decisions on your own, and you follow things blindly. Nothing could be further from the biblical truth. Are there shepherds out there that want to lead you astray. Yes, there is. Because if Jesus calls himself in John chapter 10, the good shepherd, then there's some bad shepherds out there. We've established over and over, I hope you've got it through your thick head, that you weren't created to be an independent creation, ever. You were never created to be independent. You were created to follow. And that's hard for the human race to take. And the devil really uses that as a means to lure people into pride, is 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 understanding that we were not created to necessarily lead independently, but that we were to follow Christ or follow God. Adam was not a a dominator on his own. He dominated in union with the Father. He did not rule irrespective of God. And no believer rules and reigns in life on their own authority. It is Christ's rule and reign that rules and reigns through us. So, you know, when we look at second, uh, the second chapter of the book of Ephesians, it talks about several times in the ESV version, it talks about being a follower of the prince of the power of the air, a follower of the, you know, the world system. And it says it two times. So it's giving you a picture is that the human race are followers, followers. 
What do sheep do? They follow. See, we can be real arrogant and proud and think that we've got it together. And really what's happening is divine life is stunted in your life because you're not got the right mindset when it comes to your relationship with the Father. A lot of people think, you know, I'm going to get saved and I'm going to do something for God. Well, that's not a shepherd-sheep relationship. There's no lamb that's born. I'm going to do something for that. I'm going to tell that shepherd. I'm going to give him a few suggestions, you know, how to, how to run his flock, you know. There's some things going to change around here now that I've been part of. And there's people come in this flock. They ain't been shaved in a long time. And you can tell they're just bumping their wool up and they're just, they just think they're big and bad. Well, I don't like that. What is he? No, you need to go to the shed. You need to get shorn. Hello. I'm telling you, a sheep is in a totally submitted position to the Lord. If the, if the sheep betrays that or goes off, then he's open up to the wolf. And there's people that leave flocks. And they get, and they can even attend another flock, but the wolf's still on their trail because they're not with the right shepherd. It's disobedience, it's absolute disobedience. We think, oh, well, I'll just run over here and I'll, you know, I'll be safe, you know. I'll be, no, no, disobedience opens you up to the wolf no matter where you're at. Right. We talk about, you know, God judges this and God is putting judgment on that. Well, majority of it's seed time and harvest, friends. Majority of what you're seeing in the earth isn't really God going, I think I'm going to just blow them away with a hurricane today. He's not, he's not, he has set his integrity in creation. And he told Noah, seed time and harvest until, while the earth remains. That's not just about planning to get your pumpkins. You know, <laughs> that's life. That's how the whole thing works. In fact, when Jesus taught on this in the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Mark, it, it actually says that this was his doctrine. He taught his doctrine. What is doctrine? Doctrine is what a person believes about the Scriptures. The Baptists have their doctrine, the way they see the Scriptures. The uh, Methodists have their way they see. That's doctrine. Jesus taught his doctrine. And he's God manifest in the flesh. And he says the kingdom of God is if a man sowed seed. He's saying because he goes back to seed time and harvest. Everything is seed time and harvest. 
You came because of seed time and harvest. Did you know that? Your clothes are made through seed time and harvest. Every physical thing that you touch today is made by seed time and harvest. Everything. Did you know that angels are called reapers? What are they reaping? Harvest. Did you know that your life is based upon the seeds that you sow? Not necessarily God saying, I'm going to give you a good day or a bad day. God's not concerned about your calendar. He's already wrote your book. But I'm here to tell you, my friends, you can sow some bad seed and get a bad harvest. And a lot of sheep sowing a lot of bad seed. And then they blame it on God. They say, well, God put me in this position to teach me something. No, your stupidity (laughs) and the fact that you have sowed bad seed. Now, praise God. That's one thing that I just love. My goodness. God changed us to where we can sow different seed. He gives us the means to change our lives. Amen? I was thinking about circumcision. Why was I thinking about circumcision? (laughs) But why was circumcision so important to Abraham? Because that's, you know, Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant, I was meditating on it today, did not have one curse in it. Not any curse. It was all blessing, all blessing. But he only required one thing that he do, circumcise. You want to know why? Does anybody want to know why? Because it set apart his seed from others. It changed his seed. Because the seed comes through, you see, the man there, and with the sign of circumcision, the covenant of the Lord, the seed was not the seed of the world. Oh, come on now. It was separated, set apart. And that meant when he talks about the seed of Abraham, he's talking about that set apart generation. Amen? And what happened is, is we no longer operate that way where physical circumcision is a sign of our salvation. But the New Testament teaches of circumcision of the heart. Now, what does that mean? Out of your heart flow forth the issues of life. The problem that we have is we're sowing seeds out of our mouth of fear and doubt and unbelief and junk and strife and stress. God, by circumcising our heart, gives us the seed packet to be able to put within our heart and change the production of our life by changing the seed that's coming out of our mouth. So a lot of times when people say, you know, God's doing this and he's judging this and he's made this happen, 
No, it's just seed time and harvest. See, the devil works within that same system. See, the devil don't have anything new. He don't have a system that's irrespective of God's. He doesn't work God's system, but he works the same system and works within that system. And so, you know, remember uh, the book of Proverbs says, the curse does not come causeless. The reason why is because seed time and harvest is coming. The Bible says in the book of Galatians that a man's life consists solely upon the seed that he sows. He says, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. A lot of times it is not uh, even uh, the um, discipline of the Lord as much as it is just bad decision-making, bad speaking, and bad seed sowing. But I'm here to tell you that you can change your crop and that you can actually believe God to destroy the crop that's coming up. Did you know that? In Psalm chapter, I'm going to leave you with these two things. This is going to bless you. In Psalm chapter 8, all right, it'll just be 9 o'clock now. In Psalm chapter 8, it says, In the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength to silence the adversary and to stop the avenger. Now, he uses the word avenger there. Now, an avenger is not like a normal warrior. There are warriors that pick fights. An avenger does not pick fights. An avenger avenges. Oh, you're not getting this. An avenger avenges an altercation that's already happened. Okay? So sometimes when we sow bad seed with our mouth, when we, you know, do that, the avenger, oh, come on now, the avenger's coming because that's what angels do. They're reapers. Okay? Now, God's angels are trying to keep you out of problems. But the devil's angels, are you understanding this? Everybody's blaming God for things, and he, he don't need to be blamed for things. Hello, you are where you're at because of you. Okay? So he says, to silence the avenger. Now notice it says, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings. So what are babes and sucklings? They're kind of a lot like sheep. They're helpless, defenseless, dependent. Do you understand what I'm saying? And he's ordained strength out of their mouths. But Jesus turned it around. In the, I believe it's the 10th chapter of the book, Gospel of Matthew. He says, How is it not been said, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, thou hast anointed praise. So he interchanges praise and strength. Are you with me? 
So he makes them, and he makes them synonymous. That means that strength comes from praise, and praise comes from strength. And how do I receive strength? I receive strength by praise. So if I praise the Lord, I will silence the adversary, and I will still the event. Oh, come on now. I'll still the avenger. So what does depression do? It empowers the adversary. It empowers the avenger. Complaining does the same thing. Murmuring, belly aching, being negative about your situation. But he has ordained that praise, which is the strength of God coming into your life to silence the adversary that's harassing your mind and to still the avenger. That means harvest canceled. You've got praise, and then here's number two. You want number two? Number two is the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus can cancel your harvest. You want to know, want to know where I get this? Exodus chapter 12. Did you know that the curse of the death of the firstborn was upon all of Egypt, even the Hebrews? Even the Hebrews. They weren't exempt from it. And in fact, they would not be exempt from it had it not been for what? The blood. They had to apply the blood. They couldn't just do it by just being a Hebrew because they were part with Egypt. So it was the blood that canceled the harvest, the event. Oh, come on now. The avenger from showing up and taking their firstborn. And I guarantee you, history tells that there were some Hebrews that didn't put the blood. Not every Hebrew put the blood. Only those that applied the blood. The simple obedience of applying the blood was the act of faith, which was very simple. Because it wasn't in their application, but it was in the God who spoke the prescription that caused the death angel to pass over their homes. So I'm here to tell you, if you've got a harvest, I want you to stand up that you want to stop right now. In the name of Jesus, I want you to stand up and I want you to do one of two things. I want you to praise the Lord and give him praise and thank him. And I want you to start applying the blood of Jesus. Begin to speak to that financial harvest right now in the name of Jesus. Begin to speak to that harvest in your body right now in the name of Jesus. Begin to speak in that relational barrenness that is in your life right now. You're having relational problems, marriage problems, whatever it might be. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we declare the blood of Jesus. We apply it to that area of our life, that barren area of our lives. That harvest will not come in. That bitter harvest will not come in. The bitter harvest will die and go and be removed because we apply the blood of Jesus to our bodies, 
We apply the blood of Jesus to our marriages. We apply the blood of Jesus to our finances. We apply the blood of Jesus to our decisions that we've made. We apply the blood. We thank you, Lord. Now begin to praise him. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to your name, Lord. 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 Glory to your name. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Glory to your name, 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 Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Father God. Glory to your name, Lord. Praise, praise, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. 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 It's been almost overwhelming. It's been almost overwhelming, the responsibilities that have been placed upon you, and the Lord sees it, and I see it. You had to do things that you never thought to do, and you had to take up responsibilities that you have never had to take up before. But what I sense the Spirit of the Lord saying right now is that the Lord sees your heart drawing towards him, and he is drawing towards you, and that you're going to tap into that divine wisdom of the, of the Jesus that's on the inside of you, and it's going to make you incredibly efficient, incredibly wise. And there's going to be a mantle like Joseph had. You know, Joseph, when he saved an entire nation, it was because of the wisdom of God. And so right now, I just sense that wisdom just coming on you. You'll begin to yield to it. Situations will come quick. You won't have to busy yourself. And your blood pressure is going to go down. And you're going to begin to experience strength. You're kind of feeling a little fatigue, you know, a little tired. And, 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 and the Lord just wants to know that he loves you. He sees what you're doing. He sees what you're up against. And he cares about it. He cares about it. It concerns him. And he wants you to run your course. He wants you to finish your race. 
And so he, I just sensed so strongly that that spirit that was on Joseph's going to come on you. And if you don't mind, I'm going to pray for you, if that's all right. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you for Jack right now in the name of Jesus. And I just thank you, Father God, for as you have revealed with your word, you're going to bring it to pass in Jesus' name. And he's going to notice an incredible difference, an incredible difference in his tolerance for pain and stress and strain you're going to give him the strength to be able to rise above some of the stress and some of the just the flat pettiness of people right now in the name of Jesus that are just bogging him down right now in the name of Jesus i just thank you father god that the spirit of god is greater on the inside of him than anything he'll ever face and that Jesus is his wisdom and I thank you, Father God, that he's going to see it in a dynamic way. He's going to be transformed and changed. And you're going to become the leader you always wanted to be in your field. And it's going to take you to another level, another level financially, another level in influence in your industry. But remember the Lord. That's a sharp warning right there. Remember the Lord in this time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. 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 A spirit spouse has been trying to come into your dreams, trying to come into your life and trying to dis discombobulate your mind. And it's causing impairment of vision. You're not seeing relationships the way you need to see them. There's an apprehension and an inability to see the opportunity of the Lord. And so what, what I believe that we need to pray for is that those scales will be taken off your eyes and that you'll recognize that some of these things and drawings that you're getting are not from God, but they're a way to lure you away into things that will keep you from fulfilling ultimately what God has for you. And so it's going to require greater discernment on your part to know this. And I'm going to pray for you that you will see relationships with x-ray vision, that you'll be able to see the motivations and machinations behind relationships because there's an apprehension and a timidity that causes you to live on your heels when it comes to relationships. And we want to break that because what that's going to do, it's going to cause the wrong people to be attracted to you and it's going to cause you to be attracted to the wrong people. Do you understand that? Yes. So right now, just lift your hands, Father, in Jesus' name. I just thank you that these uh, scales will just be off of him right now in Jesus' name. We break the power of this right now in the name of Jesus, and we thank you that these scales have fallen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know this is going to seem weird, but I'm going to start right now in Jesus' name. Remove the scales right now. Help him to see clearly. Help him to see clearly. Don't be alarmed, saith the Lord. Don't be alarmed. 
Don't be alarmed when you show up tomorrow morning and you see something that you didn't see and you're saying, how in the world did I miss this? Because I've given you sight to see, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. 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 Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Well, let's give God praise. Hallelujah. For he is good. For he is good. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hmm. I just hear this from the Lord. You take it where it is. I really feel it's for, you know, someone over here. Don't panic. That's what I hear. Don't panic. Don't panic. Don't panic. Don't panic. Don't panic. I don't know what in the world those people watching are thinking about this, but don't panic. Don't panic. Don't panic. When it comes to the nations of the world, they operate on seed time and harvest. Don't panic. Don't panic. Hello? Hello? Very easy. Maybe we need to make a big wood carving and sell it out there. Don't panic. Don't panic. Don't panic at what you're seeing. Seed time and harvest is an operation. God is on the move. God is doing things. And everything that you see the devil's doing, God's doing ten times more. They think they're preparing the world for the new world order. God's preparing it for the great harvest. Hallelujah. Praise God. And there shall be people sent from this place and from this night and from this place all over the world, saith the Lord. For the global harvest will have need of all of my harvesters, saith God. And you'll begin to see great things begin to move and things begin to switch. And there'll be a change of momentum. As you felt the pressure, saith the Lord, financially, physically, 
almost despaired of life because of the pressure that the enemy has put upon the nation, the community, the family, the individual. But know this, I have saved the day, and I will save the day, and I will use you to do it. Hallelujah. For many in this present distress, saith the Lord, have abandoned their God-given vision. They have scrambled to find refuge in other places. They have scrambled to find opportunities to bring about the desired result of comfort and ease. But you were never made for that, saith the Lord. You were made for times like these. You were made for this season. You have been put on the greatest time on planet earth. You are the generation that will usher in my son. You shall see what the prophets long to see. You shall perceive and know what the patriarchs wanted to know. For you are the generation, the Omega generation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So don't panic. You weren't made to panic. You were made to stand. You were made to persevere. You were made to go forward. You were made to go forward in advance and to take on the task that is before you. Don't run from it. Stand up to it. Run towards it, just like David ran to Goliath. Run, run, run. Advance and always be in a forward position, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Glory. Hallelujah. Was that worth coming for? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. Well, we're going to have people to pray for you. If you need prayer in anything, they're going to be up here to minister to you. And so I'm going to dismiss you in the name of the Lord, and God bless each and every one of you. We're going to have a good time on Sunday. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah.